0: boss man, so special guest from Forbes, Brian, to pork with me to talk about our Atlanta Hawks here. He's out of Baltimore, Maryland. What's up, Brian? How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Brian, you wrote an article about the Hawks should maybe do a consolidation trade, but today they made a trade. Cam <laughs> <Karen> Reddish, <laughs> one of those guys who you were throw in a deal for, a Ben Simmons or a, a bigger name, going to the Knicks and what I would call a cap move for luxury purposes to trade him, Solomon Hill, away to the Knicks for Kevin Knox on a first-round pick that can be used to sweeten a deal down the road to get an impact player in Atlanta uh, going forward as the Hawks are now 17-23 shucking on defensively, uh, having issues behind the scenes as well, man. So what are your thoughts being out of the purview of being harmony here in Atlanta, but you're not here, but what's your idea for what you're hearing and seeing from, from your perspective outside of the Atlanta metro area?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Cam Reddish had been popping up in trade rumors a lot over the last month. So I'm not surprised that he's gone. I'm, I want to reserve judgment about this trade until I see the bigger picture. Like once February 11th comes around and the trade deadline is over, you know, if they use that pick as part of a sweetener for a bigger deal, I think my impression of the trade would be different. But if we're like just doing, you know, snap grades right now, grade the trade. I feel like the Knicks got the better end of it just because that pick is so heavily protected. It's top 18 this year. I think top 16 next year and then lottery protected in 24 and 25, I believe. So it's never going to be more than, you know, the number 15 pick Um, the Hawks also had to send the second rounder out. They're only getting Kevin Knox, who's a restricted free agent back. So, you know, to me, it's, it tells me two things. One They're trying to thin out their rotation a little bit. Like, I don't think Kevin Knox is going to play very much, if at all. Um, And, I, you know, I think they're just not – they weren't really interested in re-signing Cam Reddish, who's up for an extension this offseason. If they didn't reach a deal with him, he would have been a restricted free agent in 2023. You know, as you alluded to, they have just have a lot of money on their books now. They have Trey Young on the Max deal. They re-signed John Collins, re-signed Kevin Herter have Clint Capella on a long-term deal as well.
0: Bogdanovich as well. Yeah. $18 million a year.
1: Yeah, and, like, by the time the Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, who's also up for an extension this summer, by the time those deals kick in, uh, Gallinari would be off the books, and Bogdanovich, I think it's an $18 million player option for that last season, so he could be off as well. So, it, you know, it's not like they would have seven guys earning $15 plus million at the same time, but it, it's still... At some point, they're just going to be a very pricey team if they re-signed everyone. And I know the Hawks owner has been saying, like, we're not going to be able to afford everyone. At a certain point, we're going to have to pick and choose. Um, I think given how the first half of the season has gone for the Hawks, it makes sense to start reshuffling some pieces around Trey Young. Um, And I'm just curious to see where they go from here because, you know, now they have this pick that they could – dangle with some of their other pieces to shake up more of their roster.
0: And O'Connell has to be paid eventually to play right. C- Capella. So I see Capella as maybe a two-year guy in Atlanta going forward and use an in inspiring deal to pay O'Connell, dangle that money to get him off the books. Yeah. Like, by Donald, which I see him maybe next year being, if he opts in, be a trade piece. Uh, But I'm looking to at the summer, maybe say, hey, look at him – Say he's inspiring that way. Hey, 18 million dollars, not so much money out there for agency. This this, this offseason here. I may look at that number, but Donovan used use him to maybe do a two for one to find two quality pieces around Trey Young with that 18 million dollar contract. Also, Galinari's number. Mm-hmm. I will use that at the deadline because this offseason is only guaranteed for five million dollars. So I'll use that 21 now. The most value for it to maybe flip something around here with, with numbers to, to soften the blow because you said Herder kicks in, Trey Young kicks in, Collins already ca- kicked in, and what what are the Hawks? Play-in team at best? And t- <laughs> t- Tony Russell I doesn't don't, I don't want to pay for that much money for a play-in team, being the right. tax for that.
1: <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, I wrote a piece of Forbes earlier this week just about how I thought the Hawks were primed for a consolidation trade, and Gallinari is the one guy I think it makes the most sense to move this season. You just brought it up. You know, he's got 20.5 million this year, 21.5 next year, but only 5 million is guaranteed. So if they send him out this year, that 20.5 counts as outgoing salary. So they could use him, you know, as the salary filler for a star, whoever it may be, Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, whatever. Uh, next year, if they wait until the offseason, the NBA changed the rules of how like guaranteed contracts count. Only partially guaranteed contracts count, so only five million of that will count as outgoing salary next off season. So a team could like look at him right now as okay, we're getting him in, we're paying him twenty point five million this year. You know, we, we'll have him on the team; he'll contribute. And then next year, we have a choice: we can either keep him at twenty one point five, or we can waive him, pay him five million dollars, and we'll get sixteen point five million dollars of cap space if they acquired him in the summer you don't get any cap savings cuz you either just waive you know you acquire him for the 5 million and then waive him and that's it or you keep him around at the 21.5 so he's definitely i think you know the next shoe to drop if we're talking about what might be coming down in the next couple days coming couple weeks before the trade deadline i think Gallo is probably the most likely name to be moved
0: and Lou Williams out of rotation now Lou Williams now yeah. Bands to the bench like Kemba Walker was for a while. <laughs> so they're not even, it, it became inactive every night now. So that's yeah. five dollars you can use too with Lou Williams' contract.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, they, the good thing about the Hawks, like I know this, the start of this season has been very frustrating, especially coming off of what they did last year, but they still have a lot of flexibility. So as hopeless as it might feel, I think their front office has earned the benefit of the doubt over the past couple of years that, you know, how they've assembled this team and kind of the run that they went on. And frankly, their talent evaluation has been really impressive, Uh, you know, getting some of the guys they've gotten in, even with, you know, non first or non like high lottery picks. So, you know, it might hurt to sell low or what may be perceived as selling low on Cam Reddish, but if like a guy like Jalen Johnson blossoms in the next couple of years, that could help soften the blow a bit. So I'm still optimistic about the Hawks' long-term future. And I think, you know, again, the flexibility that they have gives them really, I mean, they can put together, like, whatever package you want if a star becomes available. Like, if they really are interested in Ben Simmons, if the Sixers wanted cap relief, include Gallo in the deal. If they wanted, you know, a power forward, you can have John Collins in the deal. You can include, you know, for, for Boston, that was the one that I think makes a lot of sense for both sides. It sounds like the Celtics really don't want to break up the Tatum Brown combination, but I know if they do, they're going to keep Tatum trade Brown. And I thought, you know, Atlanta could put together a really appealing package for Jalen Brown with Gallo as the cap relief or salary filler. Uh, Kongu, if they want to move him Hunter, you know, you can like if the, the Hawks do get in on this Ben Simmons, Tobias mega deal, they could include Capella and send him to a third team. So that they have a lot of possibilities. It's just turning those into something material in the next month.
0: Most definitely. And, and I'll I look at Gordy Jean too. Yeah. Forming dollar contract, one-year deal, the line of rights on expiring deal. So you have to ask yourself your Travis Schlink and miss Tony Tony Wrestler upstairs. Hey, do we cash in these expiry contracts for something with more team control to give us some stability going forward? Or do he let them aspire and use the draft picks and, and use some trades? Because, I mean, these guys only all – like I like said, you, you got to cash them in right now because Lou is an aspiring deal. Delon is an aspiring deal. Jings an aspiring deal. And get all those contracts. So mm-hmm. you got four contracts you can play with to get some of substance coming back that can last us for a long time. So you have to decide which one of those numbers you want. You want to play with. I'm gonna right. try to play with Gallo and Lou Williams first, and save right and in, in Jing if I had to go there, to, mm-hmm. the tournament or something. That's what I would do personally.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense, and I I'm writing something about this at Forbes right now. But I think the because of the play in tournament, there are just a lot more teams that are going to be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. Like they're you know at the East especially. Detroit, Orlando are really the only two teams like completely out of the race already. Indiana's hovering around there too. But, you know, you got 12 teams in here who came into the season. and Indiana wanted to make the playoffs. Things just didn't go right. But you have 12 teams right now that have realistic aspirations for at least making the play-in tournament. So if the Hawks were to be willing to take a step back and start selling off more pieces, you know, some of the expirings or even some of their, you know, a bigger trade they might have more teams willing to buy and willing to pay a decent price for them since contenders just aren't going to have a ton of options available to them so I think there's an opportunity there if they are you know willing to take a bit of a step back and then recalibrate and hope to go in hard next year but at the same time I could also see them saying like we're not willing to take a step back after the year we had last year like we want to continue Building and building, and you know, where we're happy or not, we're not happy with where we are currently, but like we believe in the foundation of this group, and we just need to tinker with some of the pieces.
0: I will say, Cam Reddish, DeAndre, your hunter were defenders on our team, and Capella, the, the defends like they actually competed mm-hmm. at the end of the floor. I, like, the, the answer to said something about I know we talk about these like I were here in Atlanta with Nate, and Miller talks about it a lot, so it's Travis Slink, but the is not filled with defenders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what do you expect to happen when you don't have a roster filled with defenders? You know, right, that's right. just my looking at it just being objectively as I can. Not as a Hawks fan, but subjectively, look, the guys on the roster aren't defenders. They're just, they're scorers who can defend on a team concept, not going to lock anybody down. They can be disciplined with the game plan, but they can't just stop somebody.
1: Right, right. And I think you're always going to be limited to some extent, if you're a team built around Trey Young, like you're never going to have a top five defense if Trey Young is, you know, your point of attack defender, just because as great as he is offensively, he's always, you know, like he tops out at an average defender probably. And I don't think he's even at that level right now. So you have to make up for it in other areas. And Capella last year was that good that he did help erase a lot of the mistakes that Trey made, but you know, I think you're totally right. Like the personnel are just, you're building the team that just needs to score 130 every night. Like you just need to outscore teams and know you're going to have a below average defense. You know, right now, I think they're tied for 27th in the NBA in defensive rating. So hopefully you could at least get into that like 15 to 20 range instead of 27th. Um, but I it, I struggle to see how they're going to go you know, into, like, the top ten or even top five, barring some major personnel changes.
0: Yes, and, like, you you watched it in playoff last year with the Knicks. Trey Young hit on Reggie Bullock the whole time in the corner. Whether it be strong side or weak side, of three. Thibodeau never put Bullock in the action. Mm-hmm. There's always a Julius Randle, middle, isolation in the middle of the floor, or Derrick Rose, isolation and drive. Never, I let Trey Young hide on Bullock, the Sixer series. He hid on Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. and that's the whole other topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> and, and with the Buck series, when he did play those few games where his ankle got twisted, Tucker, like he's hiding on the worst offensive player, the Hawks' demons, worst offensive player. Mm-hmm. But but yet if you put him in the action, we're toast. Yeah, that's why it's like when I saw Hoser and Doc Rivers and Thibodeau, I'm like, the y'all the key to beating the Atlanta Hawks is putting Trey Young in action? <laughs> right. Yeah, Not like that what, I want to give away the sauce, but that's the truth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. What's the first thing on the scouting report is Trey Young is a terrible defender. Try to run him in pick and roll, and I think you know the Knicks to some extent, didn't have the right personnel. Like Derrick Rose is the one exception, but like they trotted out Alfred Payton as their starting point guard for most of that series as like the ceremonial starting point guard uh, before switching to Rose. And then the Sixers, just because of Ben Simmons' limitations, they aren't a very pick-and-roll heavy team. They have like Seth Curry as their best option. And now this year, Tyrese Maxey has developed into that. So I think if you run this series back, with this version of Tyrese Maxi, it's probably a different story, but they didn't have much faith in Maxi last year. He was a rookie, he barely played. Um, you know, he had the, I think it was the game six that he came and like saved them. Uh, they were just like totally flatlining, and then he it was like, Oh my gosh, they have a guard who can run pick and roll. This is incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Hawks benefited from some, whether it's like Faulty rosters or you know bad coaching decisions, they definitely benefited from Trey Young being to hide. Being I would able say to hide.
0: I'm called being, I'm called stubborn coaching decisions.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's
0: fair. <laughs> stubborn because they never change. Yeah. Like Doc Rivers and Thibodeau and Bootenholzer and Jing and Jenkins in Jingles and Memphis too. is what we run. Right. We don't change. Like that's where I feel like Memphis, not to change the topic, but Memphis is where Taylor Jenkins is a hairy coach. He came from the Boone Holder Tree, who's in Atlanta. So I've watched his system. I know what it is. It does not <laughs> change ever. Right. We're gonna, yeah, I do it better at the play, more pace. That's what we, I, I, can, I can do Bud's press conference in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, can, I can just do it, but I, I know he's going to say it say every time. It's yeah. like it never changes. And not to down Bud or Jenkins. Some of the same play calls they run the same day they ran in Atlanta. Yeah. The same calls. Not even they're having different calls, Brian. They're the same <laughs> freaking calls. They the Hawks. I'm like, I do that play.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, no, Dogger, you're totally right. I could hear like every single after every single Sixers loss, it's the balls got stuck. We didn't move the ball around. We didn't play with pace. Like it's it's the same story every time. So uh, you know, it's a it's a credit to the coaches, like. A Nick Nurse in Toronto who is, you know, just throws stuff against the wall. And even Steve Nash, I think, deserves more credit for that than he typically gets in Brooklyn this year. Like, he's willing to treat the regular season as an experiment. Because, uh, you know, like when you're, when you have a team that is that good, that you, like, obviously, you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, you're going to make the playoffs. So, like, why not just throw out? ridiculous lineups or ridiculous rotations and just see which combinations of guys do and don't work well um and i think honestly that could apply to the hawks as well like you have you know you go into the season and depth is supposed to be one of your biggest assets because you have 10 11 12 guys all of whom are deserving of minutes deserving of at some touches, and then like let's try out different combinations instead of keep trotting out the same groups that we consistently see aren't working well together. And why
0: is Timothy Lavoie rope starting?
1: <laughs> uh, very fair question.
0: That's a question that Nate has not answered yet. Oh, Maybe they don't want to. They don't want to ask him. But yeah. I'm like, why is Timothy Lavoie Cabrera starting? <laughs> He was non guaranteed for a reason. Right. He should not be our starting three.
1: Yeah. You would think Cam Reddish would have been that player for, well, that was part of his,
0: his dis- dis- discontent. Yeah. <laughs> He's behind Timothy LeWahoo Cabarro. Yeah. <laughs> TLC's a nice guy. Yeah. I think he should be on the bench, never playing, but you're a nice right, guy, TLC. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, great 13th man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, some of the rotations that of Nates are left something to be desired. And, it, it like, you know, I, I just don't know, Brian. I, I want us at Hawks to be a play-in team, but I, I know what I know. And I see what I see. And I'm like, this is what we were last year. Right. Just, yeah. That- we got hot at the right time, and things went our way. It wasn't like we was just world beaters. Right.
1: And it's, I mean, again, it goes back to – like how the, if the Hawks were in the West, I'd feel great about their play chances. Cause there's like only really seven or eight decent teams in the West this year. Like this is just a complete inverse of what we've seen over the past decade where the West has just so consistently been better than the East. But, you know, now like with Dane being shut down in Portland, and now there's talk of like Paul George might be shut down for the year. Kawhi might be shut down for the year. The Clippers could go into free fall. So like, you almost are going to stumble into the play in tournament in the West if you're a half decent team, but, you know, look at the standings right now and it's Charlotte, Toronto, Washington, Boston are seven through 10. And then the Knicks are tied with Boston and the Hawks are three games back. So, you know, injuries might cause one or two of those teams to fall out, but I, I struggle to see any of those teams selling at the trade deadline. Like, I, I don't think, the Raptors, seeing how good they've been lately, I, I don't think they're gonna, you know, try to send Pascal Siakam for th- a couple of first round picks and nothing else. Like the Hornets are trying to build, the Cavs have been one of the best surprises of the season so far. So again, it raises the question: like, how much does Atlanta prioritize a playing spot over if they can get some real assets back for some of the guys who they don't view as long term pieces. I'm not saying they should trade like John Collins for a first round pick just because, but you know, if they don't want to pay certain guys for the next few years or if they think certain guys are going to fall out of the rotation or not get as many touches as they want and get annoyed about that, then it's time to consider, okay, how can we shake this thing up?
0: About I was shocked that they paid Herder
1: yeah. For the deadline of
0: extensions. Too. I thought they'll let they'll let that, that ride and they didn't prove it again on a manageable deal, not tie off the books for four years. Now, the thing about his contract is it's very tradable. Yeah. yeah. It's very tradable, but I'm shocked they did that and handcuffed themselves temporarily with those numbers on the books. Yeah. Knowing that you still have to pay DeAndre Hunter since you made that decision to pay him. Now, the key with Hunter is what's in the in, injury history? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the number gonna be?
1: Right, right. And, I mean, yeah, with Herder too. It's like and there aren't that many teams with a ton of cap space this upcoming offseason, so they could have just let this thing go. But you know, you it, it, free agency is just such an interesting complication for GMs because it's like it only takes one team to overpay this guy, and then you either have to match the contract you could have possibly gotten a discount on before. Or you just have to let him go. So I think that's that's part of the equation. Is like, what was the price point you're comfortable paying, Kevin Herder, moving forward? And what do you envision him as on this team moving forward? Like, do you see him as the long term Bogdanovich replacement? And if so, should you trade Bogdanovich, or are you just resigning him to keep him as a potential asset down the road? And I think you're right. Like, he's not on an unreasonable contract. He's, I think, he will have. Very positive trade value if they decide to go that route, but it does limit their flexibility this year in particular.
0: Yeah, I I was shocked about that, but yeah, I'm thinking Hunter may be one of those four years, 80 million, if that. Yeah. I I would more so put him at four years and 64 or 70 max, just because of his injury history.
1: Yeah, I'm trying. What Jonathan Isaac got like three years, fifty million. I want to say, right? Yes, around there. Yeah, Uh like if you can get him, you know, push that up to four years and get him in the sixty-five to seventy million range, that would be an incredible value. And you know, you can use the injuries as like this is why we're not paying you twenty-five million per year. Um, But you know, it wouldn't shock me if he wants to bet on himself and say like, no, I, I think I'm worth. At least four years, ninety million. Do what John Collins did last year and say, like, you know, I, I think I can earn myself more money. I'm gonna pass on the extension.
0: Yeah, because uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how the Hawks play these numbers because because the Hawks not be a luxury tax team being the in the play in game every year, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> because uh, he'll I know like we're keeping Trey Young, but uh, yeah, we are. It's, be sell off some of this these, this money, cause yeah <laughs> cause I just don't see it. I, I wouldn't pay it, you know. I wouldn't like. I was shocked the Hawks signed John Collins and yeah. the they signed him because this is this is my thing by Browns is I love J C as a person, but he does not make us better or worse mm-hmm. than where we are right
1: now. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we're seeing it play out that way, and I, you know so, I,
0: I said that we was like oh you've been a hater. No, I love the guy. Yeah. I'm looking at just pure business wise. He does not make us better or worse losing
1: him. Yeah. I mean, I, I was floored when they resigned him, honestly. I, and I think, you know, the playoff run obviously influenced that decision. And again, maybe it's similar to Herter where they see, all right, we can resign him, but we could also trade him down the line and he's going to have positive trade value Um but yeah, I mean we I I you know all of these stories have been coming out this week about him being like disgruntled with his role and not getting enough touches or like that,
0: how... that, that's that's been going on. That that's right. old news.
1: I was, I was like, didn't we have this exact same story at this time last year? I feel like Chris Kirshner of the Athletic had like you could copy and paste it from a year ago.
0: Oh yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> I have stories about him for days. But yes, yes, yes. JC's been upset with his role. He's been yeah. upset with not the defense. This is like old news. Like you said, this is like, you know, yes, that's why they thought he wouldn't come back, Come back because him and Trey Young but heads is about the direction of the team. Yeah. Trey yeah. Young does not defend. He wants to defend, you know. Like it's out. Brian, did you see the video of Trey Young in Portland? The fan called him out of his name? I don't think so. Watch the video of Trey Young getting called out of his name. And nobody stepped back to, to, say, just, to stop him. Oh, interesting. That, so that tells you all you know about how they feel about some kind the scenes. Yeah. Nobody defended him from being called out of his name. Hmm. They called him the word around the rounds with the witch. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> In Portland, interesting.
1: Interesting. You yeah. watch
0: the video. The guy's walked on past. He, he's getting called that word. Say it to my face. Say it to my face. Nobody's corralling him or saying he ain't this. Oh boy! So that's a snapshot of the of how they're disconnected. Yeah. Listen to John Collins last night in post game;
1: they're not together. They need to be.
0: Who does that start with? <laughs>
1: right, right. I mean, I, I remember the story last year. Specifically said, like he confronted Trey Young. I think it was during a film session or something. Yes. And then you know he spoke with Chris Kirshner this week at like alluded to some tension there but didn't specifically name trey young like call him out publicly which i, I honestly respect john collins approach to this like that story you know sham sharadia breaks the story monday that he's disgruntled and he speaks goes on the record with chris kersher on tuesday he's like yeah man i'm, I'm frustrated because we're losing because i don't think i'm being used correctly but like good on him for owning up to it instead of just you know being the source, source. Yeah, like, be like, oh, no, I didn't say anything like that. Like, what Damian Lillard's been doing all season. Like, oh, I, I didn't leak all this stuff about me wanting to be traded. Like, okay, yeah. Dude, Chris, your man, Chris Haynes, right. <laughs> if it's Chris Haynes, it's you, brother. Yeah, right? Like, you, you might as well get the ghostwriter or, like, the byline tag on <laughs> there. Come on, man. Like, of course it's come for you. So I, I thought it was good that uh, that Collins owned up to it at least. And I, I got to ask you because, you know, I'm I'm coming from the Philly side of things, and obviously Ben Simmons has been – connected to the Hawks in recent days, like what do you make of all of that? And would you, you know, as a Hawks guy, would you have interest in actually having him on the team, you know, depending on the price they had to pay to give him, get him?
0: Uh, no, because of <laughs> the spacing factor for me offensively. Yeah. You have Clint Capella and Ben Simmons, he loses the floor spacing. Yeah. You know, you can put Simmons in the, in the, in the weak side corner, maybe. You know, but what is he going to do? Dives and run dives with him, picking and rolls. Is he is going to be a roll guy. Capella out there. So, like, defensively, great idea. Trying to score the ball offensively, I don't like the fit. Yeah. Because you're going to get rid of – J.C. wants more balls in the post but can't get them for a guy who defensively he's great, but he needs the ballers in the offense to be effective. Right. And that means that's balls for Trey Young in his hands. So you're, you 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 probably to pay to pay Paul. Yeah, this does not make any sense basketball wise. Now, if you want to try to sell tickets and jerseys, it makes sense to a degree. But for if you tell me I'm talking pure basketball, if I'm the Atlanta Hall, Travis Link, Tony Wrestler, and Lancy Landry Fields, I don't do that. Yeah, I right. I, I I use the contracts we mentioned earlier earlier in the, during this 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 segment to find pieces that fit. What we need to do defensively, being three and D guy, like a guy like Robert Covington with the Sixers, who I mm-hmm. went to school with Tennessee State, I would school with the guy. Oh, cool. Bring him in as a three and D guy. If you think he fits, sign him. You know, I would maybe play with expirings or guys who are young and can be resigned at decent numbers to help defensively or off the bench. Because if you're going you to keep Hunter, it's going to be young. Hunter, Herter, it okay, with Capella and Collins. So I'll come off the bench right now. So I'll, if I'm looking at the rotation going forward, I got to look, look for guys who will fit the 22-23 Hawks. That's almost right. the 21-22. But using those contracts that I can to acquire talent that works for this team and its makeup, being Trey Young, being the point man.
1: Yeah. I, like, I, I get it. I think exactly what you said. Like Defensively, it, it makes sense, but Offensively, it's hard to imagine Simmons and Capella working, and it makes me wonder if Capella would be going out in a separate deal. Like, could, could they somehow get Ben Simmons and Miles Turner together? Like, Miles Turner is one of the few bigs that I think could actually work really well with Ben Simmons, and you know, Indiana has been connected to him, to Simmons as well. So, like, I, I'm I, I think Atlanta might be one of the teams I'm most fascinated by ahead of the trade deadline just because they have so many directions that they can go in. Like I, I am just dying to know what's next, especially after what just dropped today. If you play him at the five, Uh, it hasn't worked well for Philly. I'll say that much. Like it offensively, it can, but defensively, like I know people want to like make him into Draymond Green or Giannis or he just does not have that same kind of a mindset. Like those dudes are killers and Ben Simmons is just, He's not that. Yeah, so if you're the only way you're making him into the 5 round
0: Atlanta, what I say, maybe it can work. Because yeah. you can't clog it up with him and Capella out there in your starting five. Right. And then who's going to play? Who's gonna, then who's, 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 who's going who's to close? Yeah, <laughs> right. You can't close with Capella and Simmons out there in the fourth quarter. You're trying to come back and win games. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> so so I'm, I'm looking at it from, from from first to the end of the game. Like for me, I look at, I look at who closes the games too. A lot right. of fans don't look at – I look at who closes too. So who are you going to close with? If the roster is Simmons, Capella, Hunter, Herter, McDonavich, whoever, and who am I going to go with? I, who am I going to close this thing? I, who, who can I get a, a good shot for? If I got two guys, who aren't going to shoot three-pointers. <laughs>
1: right. Or, or anything jump shots at all yes yeah, so,
0: <laughs> or and also who cannot shoot free throws yeah right Capella and Simmons have a problem with that at, at the line yeah so, so yeah man it's the Atlanta Hawks are at a crossroads right now <laughs> yeah. the next one will show us where the Hawks are going forward at and your article kind of jump started for me what I already thought anyway <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, I mean, we brought it up on our podcast recently, and I was like, you know what, I think I want to write about this too. Because I've been like, especially since the Sixers series, I've been following, you know, kind of the the team building aspect of Atlanta. I just thought they had so many interesting decisions with Herter and Collins' this past offseason. And like, The other thing is, I mean, the NBA is going to have new TV contracts in a couple of years. Like, there's a possibility that the salary cap just explodes in 2025. So part of me is thinking, like, maybe the Hawks just don't care. They're willing to pay the luxury tax for a couple of years. Because, like, by the time that new TV deal kicks in, if you have all these young guys on contracts they signed beforehand, these could all be value contracts by the middle of the decade. So, it's I'm just I continue to be fascinated by how they approach their roster building, like both short and long term.
0: Yes, it's gonna be interesting to see Brian. Hey man, this was fun, brother. Do this again real soon. Like I I love this cap stuff. I love team building. I love roster construction. So what you wrote about is right in my wheelhouse, brother. Awesome. <laughs> well, I,
1: happy to come on anytime. Thank you for having me. It's uh, Be safe, my guy. You too. All right.